Good morning. I'm uh, Howard Brown. I'm the pastor here at Christ Central Church. And um, I got a little stuff going on here between nose and throat, something that happens every now and then. I stayed home to take care of my sick son, and I got it too, I guess. And I took some cold medicine, so if I say something crazy, it's the medicine. We come to our last of five woes that we've been working through in chapter two in our study through the book of Habakkuk. And the actual woe that we have in your reading this morning is verse 19. It says, woe to him who says to a wooden thing, awake to a silent thing, arise. But it's the last part of verse 18 right before that, that really caught my attention. It says, verse 18, what profit is an idol when its maker has shaped it? A metal image, a teacher of lies, for its maker trusts in his own creation, and here's the part, when he makes speechless idols. The term speechless idols interpreted means this, a dumb dummy, literally a dumb dummy. You know what creeps me out? I'm not alone in this, because many movies have been made about those talking stage dummies, or those crazy demonic dolls <clears throat> like Chucky. But even the nicest looking dummies are creepy. I don't like those things. Maybe some movies like Dead Silence with the evil dummy, but, but those dummies, those speechless dummies, those dumb dummies are given life and worth and voice through a ventriloquist, right? And ventrilo ventriloquism, I learned before, learned before it became a comic stage thing, had dark magic roots. In fact, the word means speaking from the stomach, from the guts. And back in ancient Greek times, they believed that stomach noises could be the soul of someone or spirit speaking through the grumblings. Let me let you know what my stomach says when it's grumbling. I'm hungry. And the ventriloquist would come. That, that would, 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 be, would be their job. And listen to the stomach and interpret what was being said from the guts of the person, from the soul of the person. Well, idolatry like ventriloquism is the dark act of giving and letting your deepest longings find life and worth and voice through something that is anything but the God of the Bible. So woe to those who give their life to the lifeless, and their worth to the worthless, and their voice to what shouldn't be speaking to or for them. Look with me at verse 19 again. It says, woe to him who says to a wooden thing, awake, to a silent stone, arise, can this teach? Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver, and there is no breath at all in it. 
I hope this phrase in verse 19, as it did me, makes some of you think about Dr. Frankenstein when he speaks to the monster he fashioned out of dead parts because the sentiment is very much the same. Dr. Frankenstein cried out when he saw the dead parts sewn together start moving. Maybe all these things in my head because it's Halloween. I don't know. Start moving. It's alive, right? Well, this is what is really going on here in verse 19 with the idol worshiper. The idol worshiper is not just saying, awake and arise. They are saying to that thing, you live. It's alive. I give it life. I give it a life that it does not have on its own. It must be alive. It must live because I need life. I need something to help me feel alive and stay alive or keep my lifestyle going. And so here's how things become life-giving idols. Look at the substances mentioned here, substances mentioned here uh, that Habakkuk catalogs, metal in verse 18, shaped, wood in verse 19, carved, stone in verse 19, and then later in verse 19, it says that the idol maker uses gold and silver overlay. Let me explain it this way. If you wanted to stay alive, if you wanted to keep up your lifestyle, to protect it, if you wanted security for your life, if you wanted to have the ability to advance and just live freely and, and life wide open, have an abundance or possession or the ability to shape what? Metal and wood and stone and gold and silver. They are the stuff of housing and armor and weapons and things you use to buy food and have a, a proper place and, and, and land. So the idolater that, that does those things or uses those things in his or her life believes wrongly that those things now become the source of life and reason they're living and reason for living. Like our own world, houses and cars and flat screen TVs, and, and technology, and food, and drink, and drugs, and shoes, and entertainments, and money, and resources, and sex, and power appear to give us access, and security, and protection, and provision to life, to feeling alive. This stuff helps me feel alive. It gives me the lifestyle I want. In fact, it signals that I am alive. What happens if you make these things basic to living? We use words like, I have to have this. Yeah, I can't think about the many times I think, I really need this. Or it is my life goal to have this, or we must get this or that. And I don't know how we've gone this long without this or that. And we give it a basicness to our life, a, a centrality to what it means to exist and be alive in a way that it is actually dead to give you. Look at verse 19 again, what happens? So the idol worshiper says, awake and arise to a wooden thing. But the end of verse 19 says, there is no breath at all in it. Breath meaning life. You want life from it, and it has no life in it. 
And that is bad news for the person seeking life from things or a human thought up philosophies even fall in this category or the commercial images we see. The Bible teach us that, teaches us that God breathed into human beings and spoke life into them and into the world around them, which meant that nothing else, hear me, nothing else truly has the breath of divine life. It doesn't have the ability to give life. It has no ability to speak life and make life life truly alive except the Lord himself. Which means when we turn to things to be our life, we are actually taking the breath of life God has given us and what makes us human and giving it away. But Habakkuk is saying it doesn't work like that. You give it life and it gives what in return? More demands for life. Right? You have to keep making it live to give you the life you want. You have to keep saying to an idol, please live, please be awake, let me shape you, let me form you, let me put some more gold and silver on you, let me work harder for you, which means an idol actually takes your life away. It drains you of true life because it needs more and more of you to stay as live as you need it to be. And you know what that leads? To eventual spiritual death and emptiness. You know what happens when, you, when there's this spiritual death, when there's this emptiness created by giving your life to something that can't actually give you life. You create like this, this void within yourself. And you know what enters in? For some of us, addictions. And now that thing we really wanted takes on a life of its own. So many of us have given everything we are in all of and most of our existence to getting rich. Or we have this picture of having this home or having this person to feel loved in your life or that kind of person or having a good time or having financial security and having, keep, having and keeping this lifestyle by giving life to this or that idolatry or this person. And I must ask, how is that working out you. I will tell you if you don't know, it is draining and dragging and demanding more and more to make you more and more alive because an idol will give you less and less and demand at the same time that you want more and more. So, a lot of us live to eat instead of eating to love. And live to be healthy and buff instead of exercising to love God and others. Some of us live for sports and entertainment instead of expressing and sharing life in sports and entertainment. Some of us live for sexual pleasure instead of sexual pleasure to love. Some of you live to find and feel love instead of loving the life God has given you. Some of us live to finally be content and at peace, whatever that is, instead of finding contentment in our present and peace in the life God gives. Some of us live for pleasure and security of abundant life 
but we only can find it in the life God has given. You know, if that's sappy, I, I love some Mariah Carey. Sometimes I be in there acting a little sad and emotional. I'm glad y'all don't see me. But let me tell you, if, 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 let's, if that sappy, let's have a good cry song by the amazing Mariah Carey is your heart cry, then I can't live if living is without you or it or them or those or in that way. You know, think about it. Think about what if you lost it you would not want to live anymore. There it is. Certain person, certain job. Let me tell you, that's not living. That's dying so that your idol, your embodied hope in who and what you want to be and feel can eventually empty you of true life. But look at what else this idol is falsely promising to do for its worshiper and life giver. Worth and promising to give worth and value. Look again at the second half of verse 19. It says, behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver and there is no breath in it at all. Understand that the idol creator is dressing and covering and coating a piece of wood or metal or stone with silver and gold. And in doing so, say, this idol has worth. And as your idol stands your God, it says, I give you value. I know it sounds stupid, but hear me out for a minute. The idol reflects the value of the person who has made it. The idol in gold says, you are golden, man. You are awesome. You are okay. You are better than is true. Than is true. You're the best lie you can make up about yourself when you look at me. Been going to the Financial Peace Universal University Seminars with Dave Ramsey, the founder of Financial Peace University. Yeah, I'm being a little sarcastic. He kind of, he's sickening up there, telling me what I can buy and not buy. He brought up a good point in one of the videos. He says that we will pay tens of thousands of dollars. Well we actually paying thousands to borrow tens of thousands of dollars for 10 seconds at a stoplight that a complete stranger will see us in our nice car. I know. People once asked, why do people with a very expensive car still keep the windows down in 95 degree weather? Because they want you to see them. I've seen it happen. Especially got the tinted windows, they turn it down. They want you to see it, but they look over at you. When I got my new truck, after I got my first job out of college, I got some low-profile wide wheels with rims. I got the booming stereo system. They were looking for me at Best Buy. I remember I just laid on the ground, y'all. Just after shining it all afternoon, the stereo up, I was ecstatic. I was really looking at on the ground, looking how wide stance my car looked, how aggressive it looked. Made my teeth itch. Y'all know that feeling? With a... And then after a little call to worship between me and prepare your heart for worship music, 
via Snoop Dogg's Gin and Juice. It was time to go out, all out worship, right? Full worship by taking it for a slow, loud, windows down drive at the park on Saturday or Sunday afternoon, maybe summertime, playing by Will Smith. You know, Will Smith used to rap for some of you young people. But here's the rub. That was not the truck. It was about how the truck made me feel about myself and I hope made other people value me because of the perceived value of my idol. I like that card. Idols give you a much humanly needed third-person affirmation where something or someone outside of yourself tells you that you are someone, that you are beautiful, that you are awesome. It's what happened in the garden, right? When God breathed into man and named him and put him in a garden and gave him the commandments and looked him face to face. And then Adam, after Eve was formed by God, looked at her face to face in her eyes and she looked at him. And as he saw her, he saw his God-given value and she saw hers when she looked at him. And he said to her, you are bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. In other words, though you are different, you have the same God-given value and I give that to you as I see you. And as you see me, we all want someone to value us. We all want something to speak to us, to see us, to look at us. Even if we're not attention getting people somewhere, we want to see people look at us and convey and give approval and value and worth and affirmation. Even if that person is this third person view of something or someone that isn't really there. This is what an idol promises to do for us, to be a thing, to be a person, to be a performance for some of us, to be a paradigm, to be a philosophy, a product outside of ourselves that looks back at us and we can look at it, that reflects back at us as we look at it and it makes us feel important and valuable. Just like that idol worshiper who actually put the gold and silver on the idol, when he looks back at it and he sees the gold and silver, the gold and silver speak back to him. But here's the tricky part about an idol. It's more like a funhouse mirror. We so long for approval and affirmation and a sense of worth that you and I, like the idol creator, will cut the glass, will cut the mirror. We will, as a craftsman does in verse 14, and the silver and the silver and gold layer does, we will shape a mirror-like thing or person or paradigm or situation to say and look at us, to see ourselves what in the way we would like to be seen. We therefore have taken our relationships and our jobs and our cars and our homes and our clothing and our performances and our selfies, to be quite blunt. Some of you are selfie freaks. You do a glamour shot of yourselves. Y'all don't remember glamour shots, do you? Some of y'all are too young. You go in looking regular, that glamour shot they put Stuff in here, well, some of my Anglo brothers and sisters, they can do that hairspray, and oh, Lord. And they put the glow on you, the airbrush, and you come out looking like a movie star. 
but we have twisted and shaped those things, right? We have taken those things that are pliable, that we can manipulate to be our image mirror, to be our image appraisal, right? We look into the mirror of whatever we have made an idol and we ask it mirror, mirror, relationship, our bodies, the beauty of the girl or guy we are dating or want to date, selfie, car, home, performance, product, money, bank account, grades, body shape, sexual prowess. Who's the fairest and valuable? But even the most base things, we want our idols to reflect back to us, right? We're just looking for something or someone to say that you're okay. You're someone. You're something. Like the gold and silver, you're not trash. You're not irredeemable. You're beautiful. You're special. You're here. You're not alone. You should stay being you. Hell, man, it just helped for someone even to see our idol and say and believe we're okay. But look again at what verse 10, excuse me, look again at what verse 19 is saying. It said, it is overlaid with, with gold and silver. You know what overlaid means? A cover-up. Putting nothing, putting something valuable on top of nothing. This is hard to hear. If you're finding seeking, looking into anything or anyone for worth other than God, it affirms one major problem. You deep down don't believe you're anything. Like your idol in idol worship, your self-esteem and worth is as hollow as wood and your heart towards yourself like stone, and your sense of value as bendable and shapeable as a piece of metal. It comes and it goes, maybe because someone has hollowed you out or turned your heart to stone. Maybe you were so bullied and mistreated that you retreated into a bigger and better house or car or position or sexuality or body or relationship, right? Like your idol, all you have done is seek to hide your vulnerability and brokenness and fears in a golden shell. And we worship that shell because it protects and covers what's a mess. These crazy attempts to make and create and twist into place golden situations and golden relationships, and golden images and stuff so that you can feel better about yourself, feel better than you really are, is a cover-up. We are compensating for some deep feelings of guilt or disappointment or pain that have made you feel condemned, like wood to be thrown into the fire, like stone to just be thrown out on the side of the road. And what your idolatry will do is keep the dead and discouraged and lacking worth and value scared. Someone will see you, the real you. It keeps you covered unaddressed and actually keeping lacking worth. And we all know what will happen to untreated wood or metal or stone under a golden veneer. It, like your soul, covered in and by all that good stuff, is rotting and rusting 
and turning to dust. That is why Habakkuk says, woe to the idol that becomes a mirror. Mirror, mirror, mirror on the wall, right, situation. Because like the fairy tale, as you seek affirmation and hope, it tells you lies about yourself in your world. Look with me at verse 18 again. What profit is an idol when its master has shaped it a metal image, a teacher of lies? For its maker trusts in his own creation when he makes speechless idols. Woe to him who says to a wooden thing, awake to a silent stone arise. Can this teach? Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver, and there is no breath in it at all. What God challenges people in these Babylonians about in living their lives through idols is this foolish idea that idols can teach you, that they can, as verse 18 and 19 say, teach you something about life. And the word teach would convey that this idol can teach truths of God, divine truths of heaven for you and to you, right? That they can actually come on a higher level and raise your sense of dignity as a human being by what it tells you. But that's crazy. Because what? It is speechless. It is silent. It has no breath to push words out or to give thought. Yet people turn to these things to not just speak to them, right? But to give them truth, to give them law, to give them how they should live their lives, give them, get, to give them a paradigm, a blueprint of how and why and who and what. But an idol is only a what, a noun, an improper, objective, non-pronoun. What is going on here? Look back at verse 18. For its maker trusts in his own creation when he makes speechless idols. This metal worker like God shaped us from the dust, right? Remember God shaped human beings from the dust? The words here make you think about God's creation event. It becomes a teacher of lies. Why? It, its maker trusts in his own creation right? Remember, God made man only one way in his image and likeness, like a non-divine version of himself on earth. Well, an idol maker creates his or her idol in the image of their own likeness. Let me put it another way. They make their God or goddesses like God did us, not just in their likeness, but to their liking. They make it the way they want it to be. They create a situation, they make a relationship or look upon their accomplishment that tells them lies about themselves, that make them feel good and justified about how they want to live and are living. So the idol, what, gives you forgiveness where you shouldn't get it and freedom and a pat on the back where you shouldn't have it because the idol tells them what they want to do. So it explains this whole thing about God coming down on the Babylonians for, for pillaging and raping and being violent throughout these communities because something is telling them what you're doing is okay. So they can be free to do it. An idol takes on and answers and teaches according to our internal issues and only according to how well we actually know how to fix and heal and pleasure and help and happy ourselves. Because sadly, we are alone or don't have or believe we have anyone who will tenderly and honestly speak to us but ourselves. You don't trust 
an idol says this. You don't trust anyone else to speak to your life but you. And here's the problem, the irony. We all need something to live for, something or someone or some theory to be outside of ourselves. What am I saying? Everyone is religious because everyone has a school of thought. Everyone has something that is their guiding principle or person. And God is saying that thing, the way you got that thing speaking to you is lying to you if it isn't me speaking to you. You know what is really creepy? Because I already told you those, those dummy things are creepy. I don't want to go to those shows. They don't even have them anymore, do they? Y'all remember Lester, the black ventriloquist? He, man, he was famous. He's on Jet Magazine. Y'all, okay. Guess you got to go in the bathroom at my parents' house so you can read all the Jet Magazines. Somebody, no, not going to do that. Okay. It's creepy when the dummies look just like the people, like a mini them. I'm like, um, you wonder, they all right? I know they're performers, but something wrong because you got the thing looking just like you. And one of these bad, like really crazy, scary movies, all the dolls look like lost children in the village. Like, what the world? And the most evil one looked like the woman who was killing all the kids. And I get scared. Then after the movie, I'm fine. When verse 18 says that you trust in a speechless idol or a dummy, it makes sense, right? It makes sense because in an idol, you throw your voice. You throw your longings like that ventriloquist. You throw your angles. You throw your theory into it, and then you let it lead you. It's funny. The thing that makes those shows funny is eventually the little dummy takes over. Hey, how are you talking, Lester? I don't know. And he kind of makes a fool out of the person who's actually voice he's, that is giving, right? It tells you what your heart wants to hear. In fact, the second definition of ventriloquism is this. The expression of one's views and attitudes through another. I went to see that. I did. Maybe I should repent. Maybe I shouldn't say this. But I went to see that dumb Annabelle movie, right? About that doll that's evil. Why do I do that to myself? It all started with Chucky. I can't give it up. And then, you know, and then you got the crazy demonic doll like Chucky, right? And what is interesting is that in both instances, spoiler alert, someone else's soul goes into the doll and dummy and made it animate. Like, woo, some crazy thing happens, some blood drops into the eye of the doll, and then it takes on the spirit. Yeah, y'all get it. Our idols are what we have poured our souls into. We have given it voice to say what we long to and want to hear. That may mean setting up really dumb relationships so we can hear someone else tell us we are loved, even though we really aren't. To have that ch dumb check say to you, keep working hard, keep working more than you should, look at this. And we let those things draw conclusions for us. 
Verse 18 says that a speechless idol is a dumb dummy. And when we make a dumb dummy, a puppet, a mirror, where we are talking to ourselves as we have processed the world on our own, taking in what we want, rejecting what we want, based on our hurts and pains and fears, misguided, broken hearts, we become like the idol is what Habakkuk is saying. Dumb dummies ourselves. Where we now, hear this, this is what it means to be a dumb dummy, where you now can't hear reason, where you actually believe your own hype, where we have become dead in our ability to hear the truth. We have become filled with lies. We have become unfeeling and cold before the things of God because we have been taught and conditioned by ourselves. And in that fallen circular reason, we have become like anyone who talks and teaches themselves. Not just dumb, but worse, fools. We fooled ourselves because we want to keep acting foolish. Those who can't let God into the conversation of our lives, it is between us and ourselves and whoever, whatever, we can make dumb enough to tell us what we want to hear and grow in makes us fools. Some of you can and don't even hear the advice of your friends about who you're dating and how much you're eating or how little you're eating or how much you're overworking. Some of us, we just get rid of those people because they're really living. We want the dummies in our lives. Or how much we're overworking or how much damaging the thing is you, how absent you are where you should be present. Some of you right now are working to teach yourself around what I am saying. Because this is the living word. Now, I promise you, I'm trying not to be a dumb dummy for you. Because you've become just as dumb, numb, dead, hard, and empty as your idol, which is yourself and what you can do for yourself and create for yourself. If you have become hardened, hear me out. If you have become hardened in what is clear biblical truth, you just can't hear it. You just can't let this go. You just can't stop this. You just can't because it just won't work right. Man, as a pastor, I've met with people and they have rewritten the Bible. Pastor, I'm a Christian and I know what the Bible says. Well, the Bible says this. Oh, no, because I really think. You really think what? Who's that talking? Well, i tell you what's talking. There is something you're idolizing. There is something you really want that is speaking to you and it shouldn't be talking. (laughs) We need someone outside of ourselves who doesn't need anyone to justify them. We need someone outside of ourselves who doesn't need anyone or anything else to live, who speaks for and to the whole world, who is above being shaped According to our hurts and pains and arrogance and pride, we need an idol-breaking and relieving God. You know why we don't like God? He's God all by himself. Candy Staten has a song that says, he don't need nobody else. We don't like that. Don't you hate people? Sometimes it don't look like they need you. You can't shake them and make them say what you want them to say. Sometimes it happens in marriage. Hey, what you think about this? That don't look right. Get out of my face. Mama, daddy, what you think? Son, you're doing good. Yeah. Look at verse 20 with me. 
but the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. When it says that the Lord is in his holy temple, it means that the Lord is in a place and he is a person, a God that is not shaped or thought of by human minds or hearts. He is not created. It never was. He always was. He is I am. He is holy. He is separate. That the life he has is his and not given or sustained by anyone or anything else. He is the true God, the only God that is holy, that is not a creation or lives on or in wood or metal or stone. He is not covered in anything but his holiness. And the temple tells us, right, that he alone is in a place to be worshipped, to give our worth and give us worth back. He alone is unshaped, uncontaminated by our lives, which means he is purer than any gold or silver or more third person perspective truth giving than anything or anyone else. He alone truly seals you for who you really are, even if we can't fully or clearly see him for all he is. You can't hide from him. And that's good news. Because the Lord calls you to worship. He calls people who are rotting inside. Who are afraid inside who are covered and listening to all kinds of things because of their insecurity and desire for things they can't give themselves. And this holy God says, come to me. And it ends with this, let all the earth keep silence before him. It's funny that in idol worship and creating uh, idol worshiping woes, it was us humans who were doing all the work and all the talking and all the teaching and all the figuring. We were giving life and our sense of worth and all our effort and our voice to get life and worth and truth. God is saying this, if I am your God, you can rest. You can rest. You can keep still. You don't have to philander. You don't have to shape. You don't have to work hard to give something, make something golden or, or silver, right? We, you know, he is saying, if I am your God, no more condemning your life. No more losing your worth to gain it. No more having to write and speak your own justifying story or narrative. Narrative. You can be silent. Why? Because like the man was to that silent eye. Idol. God comes that we might be given life by Him and restored worth and dignity and renewed and dressed in true honor and dignity and truly spoken to and seen and loved and appreciated. See what God does with dead souls and rotting souls to make them acceptable to Him. He doesn't cover us with gold. He doesn't cover us with silver. He covers us in the righteousness and dignity of the living Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he looks at us as we are in Christ, like that idol creator looked at his idol. He says, awake. Awake, my son and daughter. Live in new life. 
Awake from the deadness of worshiping an idol. Live for real. Live in life abundantly because Christ covers all the insecurities and issues and questions you have. And I alone speak truth to you. It says, let all the earth keep silence before him. It's not about being a piece of wood or stone or metal, but about coming without hope in yourself. Did you know that's what Christianity is about? Coming without hope in yourself to shape or form or fashion your life to work. Coming to hear the good news, to listen, to receive for the first time, coming, without noth- coming with nothing in your hands or heart that can truly help and heal you and love you, but looking completely to God to speak to you, to lead you, to teach you, to take you and shape you into the image of his son, Jesus Christ, and to speak life and worth and truth to your soul. Not only woe to you idolaters, but God is saying here, welcome to you idolaters. Come, man, I am prime idolatry material. I always looking for something else. You know where my God is at that time? Still in his holy temple, calling me to worship, calling me to be renewed. I'm scrambling for meaning in everything, y'all. This is a testimony, and I'll say it solo if I have to. If I'm the only one, I'm going to let you know, and I know I'm not. I am always trying to craft something. I'm always trying to shape something because deep down, sometimes I feel like nothing. Sometimes my worth is not there, and I look for something more valuable outside of the Lord. But good news, because of Christ, your Lord is in his holy temple. And his love towards you has not changed. You have not unmanipulated your way out of grace. Come to him. Confess your sins. Repent. Let him renew you again. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you.